Good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. We are now in the month of March. Uh, and today is uh, a specific day in the month of March that I can remember. Maybe March the 10th. Let's see what my phone tells me here. March the 10th, that is right. March the 10th, 2021. Biden has now been president for uh, maybe six weeks and the world has not ended. Unbelievable as that may sound. Oh my goodness. What is going on here? I'm behind the slowest person ever. Uh, come on, Grandpa. Here in Japan, we have uh, K-Trucks. K-Trucks, K is uh, an abbreviation for Karui, which means light, and it's a class of car uh, that is very small, very fuel efficient, and they have very small engines. Um, and old people tend to drive them really, really slow. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's frustrating. Right now we're going, oh my goodness, really slow. I just want to get around this guy if I can. And I can. Uh, yeah, sorry. So March 10th, uh, the world has not ended. Uh, things have actually kind of gone back to semi-normal as far as not waking up, wondering what, what Trump has done every morning that happened for the previous four years uh, what he's done or what he said or who he's offended or you know what he's been caught at or whatever so Biden's presidency so far has been fairly calm in comparison uh, which I'll take as a win uh, yeah so uh, we uh, are one day away from March 11th, 2011, uh, the uh, Great Eastern Earthquake, uh, the 10-year anniversary thereof. I'm saying this really backwards, probably in Japanese order. So tomorrow is the 10-year is the uh, anniversary. Anniversary, maybe not the best way to say that, but... Uh, of the uh, Great Eastern Earthquake and Tsunami of Japan, which happened 10 years ago tomorrow. And uh, it's been crazy because a lot of the things that were uh, planned for that day have, to be, have had to uh, be canceled because of uh, different, uh, you know, COVID problems and, and uh, but uh, it looks like I'll figure out a way to commemorate it somehow uh, my friend Pat and I on that day uh, it was a Friday of course uh, 2.46pm so from about 1pm he and I were riding up the uh, riding up a mountain bike trail right here in my town 
and we actually were riding from one town to the next but through uh, closed uh, just mountain roads mountain dirt roads gravel roads and whatnot and so we had I think this is the first time we had tried this ride actually but I can't remember but I think so and so we rode up this hill together and we rode up a solid I don't remember how long it was but we were going uphill for a long time uh, pretty much all the way there is uphill all the way back is downhill um, and uh, there are some places that were carved out to make this road out of the rock and things like this and so we went up and it was uh, pretty difficult but we got to the top and about the time we got to the top and caught our breaths we stepped off our bicycles and were heaving and you know breathing hard at least I was Pat's in better shape than I am but or was then especially then. still today anyway uh, the earthquake hit right that time 246 is about the time we got to the top I don't remember it being any sooner but if it was it was by minutes um, or even seconds when we got there when all hell broke loose and uh, the ground started shaking we looked at each other and, and you know we're trying to figure out where to run and hide and the trees were going crazy they were swaying uh, really hard and the ground was rippling almost like a you take a blanket and you you whip the blanket you know the ground rippled and under us and we were uh, you know we, we we grasped hands and instead of running we just started to pray and we prayed about our families and, and uh, uh, about all the people that may have been affected by this huge obviously huge earthquake and because we were so far away we didn't know what was going on and of course almost everybody lost cell phone uh, ability right then all the towers were incapacitated and uh, everything was just crazy yeah everything was crazy and the worst part was we were you know pretty much separated from our families way up in the middle of the wilderness in a mountain uh, and so we had to jump back on our bikes and just rush down once the earthquake stopped in about five minutes we decided to rush down and try to get to our families and uh, of course the road was different going back right so when we had come it was just a normal dirt rocky you know gravelly road but when we went back a lot of the the rocks that had been up on the places that had been dug out had fallen down uh, into the way and uh, and so we were dodging uh, or, or having to go around lots lots more obstacles I don't remember any falling as we went but I'm not sure we would have noticed that anyway but anyway as we drove back there were a lot of changes in the road that had happened while we were you know as opposed to just maybe 15 minutes earlier when we got to the top the road was a different road going back but because we were in such a hurry to get down we pretty much flew down this road uh, to get back to our car and uh, that took some time but we got back to the car threw the bikes on the back and started down uh, started down the rest of the mountain 
uh, in the car, uh, and I had a, a little, uh, what you guys might know as a Suzuki Samurai, but here it's called the Jimny. And we started going down and we started to realize that things had changed on the, on the, the normal road as well. Like there had been walls, concrete walls that were around people's properties that had toppled uh, and some of it in the road that we had to avoid going down. Also, uh, a lot of the uh, road had settled. It had, it had, it had, um, what do you call, uh, sunk, right? A few inches, maybe. And so every time it, uh, there was a seam in a road, for example, at a bridge, the road was lower than the bridge, and so there was this huge kind of speed bump every time you got to a bridge, uh, because the bridges are made not to sink at all they're 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 made much better i suppose than a road is the the foundations are put deeper for example uh because of course they have to carry a load and things like this so they're built differently and so the the bridges pretty much stayed put except for those rare bridges that actually i think fell into the water uh, or broke or, or cracked uh, but generally they didn't sink down as uh, other bridges did and uh, yeah so so we were having to bump along because the road had changed so much uh, on our way back to figuring out where our family was and of course Pat drove there with me so he couldn't get a hold of his family of course I couldn't get a hold of my family but I knew where all of them were um, my oldest daughter was in Tokyo, and so she was farther away from, well, I didn't know at the time how bad Tokyo was, actually. But she was at high school in Tokyo. And then my other two daughters and my wife were all at the elementary school because my, wa my wife was uh, teaching part-time uh, English there at their school. And so my, uh, the middle daughter was in sixth grade, I think, and the youngest daughter was in first grade, maybe. Maybe second grade, I can't remember, but... Uh, it should have been second grade, I think. So we got back to the elementary school, which was closest, and I kind of checked on them and could see that they were all okay and there was no problem. And so we headed toward Pat's house um, as quick as we could. Uh, and because his wife and daughter, I think, had been out um, at a doctor's appointment, perhaps, or something. And so they would have been on the road. Uh, and of course, all the traffic lights were down and and uh, who knows what damages had been, in, you know, uh, had happened to the road on the way there. Um, but eventually, uh, we were able to get to his house and uh, his, his family, I think, uh, showed up pretty soon after that so we we got in touch with a few neighbors here and there and his family and made sure everybody, everybody was okay and then and then I headed uh, I don't remember exactly but I think I just headed home uh, and I got there I think I remember getting there before anybody else but I could be wrong um, but 
one thing, one a couple, a couple of memories I have of that day are as the aftershocks happened, I could see the strength of the earthquake actually shaking pollen from these cedar trees that caused my allergies. I could see waves of pollen coming off from the shaking. Now, sometimes you see it coming off from wind. If you have really strong wind and it's a, a high pollen release day, you can see it coming off. Uh, but this was actually from the shaking of the earthquake and I could see waves of pollen being released from the shaking. And the pollen entered the air and, and gave the atmosphere uh, a, a very red-brown tint to it to where it made a almost a ring around the sun. So looking at the sun, I could see a ring of pollen. So it was almost like a, a, a rainbow around the sun, but, but instead of it being colorful, it was this brown-red kind of eerie color. And the, this happened at 2.46, of course, and so the sun sets around 5 o'clock. And so by the time I got home, it was probably close to that time. And I remember sitting watching the sun set. <laughs> And then my allergies kicked in because there was a huge release of pollen that day. My allergies were horrible um, all that evening. Of course, then we had no power. Uh, we had no electricity. We had um, no water. So water and electricity had been cut off. Uh, and so, of course, we were trying to figure out what to do about all that. Uh, as usual, even like today, I haven't really learned anything. My my gas tank is on empty. <laughs> uh, my gas tank was on empty that day. Um, and so, yeah, the world changed uh, in the span of about five minutes uh, from very um, happy-go-lucky, having a nice mountain bike ride with my friend, you know, on some time off because it's spring break or whatever, uh, to... How are we going to survive this? What happened? Uh, who died? Um, who's still alive? Uh, you know, what news are we going to be able to get? Uh, and I can't remember how we started getting the first news, but I think my phone, uh, which was an Android, one of the first Androids that came out at the time, I was able to get internet access. So I still had, it was probably 3G at the time, or, or not even any kind of G, but just Wi-Fi, whatever. Uh, I was able to get, um, even though the phone didn't work, I was able to get internet access, and I was able to get some news uh, information about what was going on. And and uh, so we heard about the, uh, the tsunami warnings and all that stuff. And of course they were, there were, uh, emergency announcements being made on the uh, city PA, emergency PA system that we have set up here. Um, there are speakers all around uh, that broadcast things in such times. Uh, yeah, and so uh, we were trying to figure out how we were going to survive. Now, at the time, we had been gathering with a small group at our house uh, every week uh, and so we had a little community around our home uh, that had already started. This was before we officially started house churching or whatever you want to call it. Uh, 
um, but we had um, started and began uh, doing this uh, gathering. And so a lot of the people uh, came to our house the next couple days and we we kind of huddled together and found ways to stay warm and and uh, started learning how to survive, learning where we could get water, uh, drinking water. Um, we couldn't take showers. I think some of us uh, men, we started cutting all our hair off. <laughs> we started cutting our hair super short because we had clippers and somebody had, I guess, clippers that were powered. So we went ahead and did that. The next thing was food, right? We had to find food. Uh, I can't remember how we found water at first. Of course, everybody started buying water. and uh, Water was in short supply pretty quickly. But what we found out was the cities kept uh, emergency reserve uh, stockpiles of water. And so we were able to go to get a certain amount per person every day. A couple liters per person every day or something like that. So we figured out a way to do that. And then the next day, which would have been the 12th, is when we heard about how bad the, uh, the uh, Fukushima uh, nuclear power plant had been hit and that they were experiencing uh, uh, shutdowns of emergency uh, backup systems uh, and that there were explosions that happened, I think, the very next day. Maybe that wasn't until Monday when the actual explosions happened. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but I do remember that on the day that the explosions happened, and, and we are situated less than 100 miles from the nuclear power plants um, that had explosions. On the day that it exploded, we, some of us guys, had decided to take our bicycles and uh, ride around and look for food. We had heard rumors that certain food stores were going to open up and you could get a certain number of items. And so we got some money, hopped on our bicycles instead of wasting gas. And uh, we went on a food hunt. And I remember I was able to find some bacon and some ham. And uh, we could only get like five items or something like this. I can't remember how many it was, but... I was able to get a little food uh, for our family, and uh, if not a lot, of course we had some food, you know, still left over. It wasn't like we were completely out of food, but you know, in Japan, you pretty much shop as needed because refrigerators are small, storage space is limited generally, and so you pretty much shop four or five times a week. <laughs> excuse me, for for, uh, for your groceries. Uh, it's not like, you know, in the States, you take it, you know, one day a week or two, or, or one day every two weeks, and you buy 200 bucks worth of groceries. Uh, no, in Japan, you kind of do it little by little as you need it. That's how everybody does it on the way to work or on the way, well, on the way back from work, I guess is how they would do it. So, yeah, we were kind of... Uh, freaking out and uh, we learned some lessons and one of those lessons was your your gas still works as long as you can ignite it with the lighter and we didn't know that for a while and so we used my uh, 
my camping cooking stove to cook on when all the all the all the while we probably could have used um, my uh, our normal system if we had just uh, used a lighter or a match to light it with. Uh, and we learned to lean on each other and to you know to to think about things that were actually important. Um, and it was a real galvanizing kind of moment, I think, for our uh, our group that we uh, that we gather with and that we gathered with. And within a few years after that, say about two and a half years, we had uh, completely distanced ourselves from the uh, institutional church, the traditional church, and and we started. Uh, exclusively home home churching it sounds like homeschooling but uh, nothing like that yeah and uh, life changed life changed drastically and and uh, in the blink of an eye um, looking back I, I realized that there were good things that we did during that time and there are probably mistakes that we made during that time as well um, but we were able to get through it uh, and I think we were the better for it on the other side um, so yeah big big memories of that day and of course we know that uh, some nearly I think 20,000 people died here in Japan, mostly from uh, the tsunami. Perhaps some from the earthquake itself. Uh, about the same time, my friend Jonathan Wilson, uh, who had, he wasn't really a friend at that time, he was an acquaintance, I kind of knew him, and I, I uh, he, he had, um, see about five years before this I had met him probably for the first time in 2006 at a at a uh, church planting institute conference that uh, I think that was the first time I went perhaps anyway uh, he was uh, he had created this um, organization called crash and it was a relief uh, organization meant to help people in times of uh, you know, catastrophe, right? Natural disasters and things like this. And he was trying to get people signed up on email uh, lists who would be ready to step in and to help if, if something ever happened where we needed to, such as, you know, typhoons, earthquakes, tsunamis, whatever. Which are things that happen in Japan more frequent, more frequently than most places. Um, and I signed up, and so I was on an, an email list. I thought he was uh, a little eccentric at the time, but um, I could tell he was very sincere. And it turns out that he was uh, prophetic in wanting us to be ready because he was able to, uh, in in very short order get an organization up and running to start funneling Christian aid, uh, both in terms of money 
uh, and in terms of just help, uh, physical help, to people quite quickly. And he was able to get things up and running, and uh, he had plans formulated and um, staff um, going fairly quickly. Uh, and so we we were able to within a couple weeks of the earthquake within a couple weeks we were able to create a local office of crash here in Hitachi and I was on the staff both Tomoko and I uh, were going to be on the staff of that and we uh, started uh, making plans to take aid up north now we were hit but not as bad as other places Fukushima, uh, of course, Miyagi, Iwate, uh, those were places that were within uh, driving reach from us that were hit pretty hard. And so we started with aid up to Iwaki. We started taking water at first. We got a huge shipment of water in, and we started uh, taking water uh, up uh, north. road construction they just won't stop I wish they'd wait and start it till after I guess I could always leave early I just never remember it till I get to this point uh, anyway so yeah we uh, became part of that organization and, and volunteered our time to uh, start helping um, take funds uh, and and water and things like materials up uh, north and we started doing it mostly to uh, Fukushima at first to the city of Iwaki which was just an hour away from us by car uh, and I want to say at first the highways were not even passable there's too much damage on the highways and in Japan tried as quickly as possible to get the highways up and running so that we could you know, to use that as a conduit of aid uh, up and down the up and down the coast, and that was important. Once that happened, they also made the highways free. They were actually uh, turnpikes, if you will. They were able to make those free, uh, which was a pretty big deal, actually. Uh, yeah, so that started happening. We started going up on weekends when we weren't working uh, to take water. Uh, to Iwaki uh, later we started uh, we got some some news from family members up in Ishinomaki uh, that there was aid needed up there and so we started uh, coordinating with some churches up there and started taking aid all the way up there we started taking things uh, not just water now but we were also taking things that they needed like rice cookers and they wanted hair dryers and you know all of the all of the things that had been lost. Uh, there were different things that they really wanted. Of course, the 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 government was also providing aid, and they were providing food and meals for people who were. Um, uh, was it Hinansuru? Um, they had evacuated to evacuation centers, which were usually school gymnasiums, and so they were uh, living for months at a time in these gymnasiums. And so we would 
go up every other weekend or every every weekend perhaps sometimes and take things that we had gathered throughout the week. Some of them were uh, things gathered in Japan, but most of them were things uh, that had been sent in from abroad, things like baby food and, and blankets and, and of course still water. Uh, and then things we purchased in bulk, things like, like I said, rice cookers. For some reason, rice cookers and hair dryers are the only things I can remember right now off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, there, were, there was a lot that we, um, we started collecting. Um, so yeah, uh, and then as we, as we started going back, we tried to go back to the same place in Ishinomaki time after time so that we could connect to the people there. Uh, and and have a you know make relationships and not just you know drop off stuff and never see them again but let them know that we wanted to come back to them time and time again to check on them so that kind of became a policy of ours to to go back to the same people um, as much as we could uh, so that you know we could actually do more uh, than just give them stuff we wanted to give them hope and and uh, and uh, that was a big part I think of the policies that our local uh, branch decided to to kind of focus on. And so I don't know how many trips I made personally up there. Uh, don't even know if there'd be records anywhere of how many. But within the next year, definitely 20, possibly 30 times uh, that we went up uh, to do things and you know we'd take stuff up and then eventually we were able to with the B1 church that had started up there which was run by friends of ours we were able to then have a place where we could stay a whole weekend so we'd take volunteers take stuff up and then sometimes we'd we'd stay a weekend and help with cleanup help uh, mud out houses or uh, you know hand out um, different things to the surrounding area clean up parks we I think we helped in barbecues sometimes that were put on for people on the weekends um, in communities and things like this and so it it quickly turned from being about stuff and it became uh, being about helping right doing things for people and uh, from that time it was kind of about both I guess way to say that um, it was life-changing for me personally to go through that uh, I felt like I suddenly knew why I had been in Japan why I had come when I had come uh, why I needed to be there for amount for the amount of time I needed to be there before this happened um, and I think it's because I was I was available. I was I was ready to jump into action, somewhat. And uh, so I think I, you know, I try to keep myself schedule-wise somewhat freed up so I can do that again when and if you know the call comes. It's one of the one of the benefits of working for yourself. Um, you know, owning your own business is that you can kind of make decisions that 
that other people would have a harder time making. There's a downside, of course, to all that, but when and if, you know, I'm needed again, uh, I think I'll be in a position where I can uh, step in and help out. Uh, and actually, I have since then. I, I was able to go to the Philippines and take a group of uh, volunteer students to do some uh, aid in the Philippines as well. And we've helped out uh, with the local floods here a couple times too. Um, it's just something we do now when something happens. When and if the call comes in, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, spiritually, it's hard to say what impact this had on me. But I think it really started to push me toward a different theology because probably up to that point, my theology would have been that God allows or actually causes natural calamities. In fact, you know, we called these things acts of God in the past, you know, things that definitely out of human hands we called an act of God. Well, it was hard for me to imagine that God, for no apparent reason, would indiscriminately kill 20,000 people in the span of a day. Women, children, old people, young people, Christians, Buddhists, uh, and have some reason for it. I don't be believe that anymore. Not only do I not believe that he caused it, I don't believe that he allowed it. I believe that... Uh, there are things that we don't understand about how God works, um, but I don't also I also don't believe that He allowed it. I don't believe we understand how the power of God works, uh, or how the collaborative nature with the powers and principalities in the heavenly realms work. Uh, I believe that that day, uh, perhaps the forces of chaos. Uh, got the upper hand. We're able to pull something off against the will of God. Uh, I don't believe that it was the will of God for that to happen. I think it's the will of God for... for... what's the word? Independent entities is the best I can come up with now. For all of the beings in the world to come up to, to understand and to uh, agree that it's best to do good in the world and not evil. And that includes spiritual beings that, that we have very little knowledge of that, that operate in what the Bible calls the heavenly realms, right? In the, in the invisible places. Uh, God wants them to come up to the, to, to come to the conclusion uh through his example that it's what we should be doing in the world is good and not evil is giving life and not taking life and sometimes we agree and sometimes we disagree and that's why humans uh, also cause atrocities such as war um, it's because we don't always agree with Jesus on how things should happen and so just like us, 
there are heavenly powers that also don't agree that things should happen in a certain way. Uh, the Jesus way, the nonviolent, the forgiving, the loving, the reconciling way. And then they make choices. Uh, and because they're given free will as we are given free will, bad stuff happens. So it's not, it's not as simple as saying God caused or God allowed something to happen uh, because we don't know what happens behind the scenes. We, we're told that God doesn't sleep uh, and, and the connotation of that is he is working tirelessly to bring about good in the world all the while not not um, deceiving his own deceiving himself, not going against his own nature, but doing everything in accordance with his nature, which has to do with love and free will, which go hand in hand. Um, and I think, I think 311 uh, really brought out that realization in me that there's something else going on in the world um, that I don't necessarily understand. And I'd like to understand better. And so since that time, I think I've come to a, a more realistic um, understanding that's more in line with the uh, character of Jesus, and the character of God, the character of, of the Christ, uh, and the spirit of the gospel. Bad stuff happens, and it even, it even happened to Jesus. Uh, and... God doesn't promise that he, he stops all bad things from happening. He just promises to be there with us as we have to go through it. Uh, and so that's a totally different dynamic. And so I think in a huge way, uh, the, the tragedy, the catastrophe of March 11th helped to... say that best to to create um, my uh, current theology and the way I see how uh, the, the way I believe that God works in the world so thank you guys for listening on that uh, remembrance of uh, yeah March 11th 2011. I hope to uh, go up within a month, uh, back up to the places that we visited before with uh, Jonathan Wilson, the founder of Crash, and his wife and my wife. We're going to take a little trip up there and uh, see what we can uh, see about their progress and uh, just reconnect with some of those people. And that's going to be happening sometime in April, God willing. So, yeah, maybe I'll give you an update on that. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.